Hello and welcome to uh, August 4th and 5th. Uh, my name is Josh, and with me as always is Asher, and uh, this is uh, what we're listening to. Hey buddy, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's early, and uh, I forgot about daylight savings, but you know, it's, it's okay. <laughs> um, I think you better go first, as uh, if you let me talk about what I've been listening to, I'm going to gush for a good 40 minutes, so you should probably... Oh, okay. Good. I was like, maybe I should let you go first. That's common courtesy. Because, you know, I I thought about this idea. I was like, oh, yeah, I can talk about all the things that I want. But cool. So, um, interestingly, um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about because there have been a few things I've been listening to. But it all centered around um, planning on going to see The National in March. And uh, I had to binge four albums in two or three months um, because I realized when I bought tickets for The National, I realized that I had only really known High Violet and The Boxer. Compliments of you. Um, I think it was 2010 that you thrust um, High Violet upon me and I very willingly accepted. I thought it was a brilliant album Um, and I kind of called myself a National fan from then on even though I really only knew that album. Um, And then I got Boxer and I was like, this is cool. But then I realized at the beginning of January, I thought, I really want to see them, but I don't really know a lot of it about catalog. I didn't even know um, Trouble Will Find Me. I knew uh, Sea of Love and I was like, that's cool. So um, I thought I'd grab that one. I found it in a secondhand store and then picked up Sleep Well Beast and then I'm easy to find, and then at your recommendation, went back and listened to Alligator. So I've had these four albums swimming around in my head for the past like three months, but I thought I would talk about I'm easy to find uh, because it's the most recent one, and because the others have been yeah. done to death, probably. And I also feel like Alligator is a very different album than those three. Yeah, except that like it's uh, yeah. I, the thing is that I've noticed <laughs> is that. You know, he originally loved his colloquialisms, um, like stupid sayings that just shouldn't be in serious music. It's just not present in I'm Easy to Find. Mm. I, yeah, I kind of wanted to listen to this one because I knew that, like when you sent me the set list of what they played in Vancouver, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know any of these songs. And um, so I, I listened to them again. So here are a couple of things I've thought. Um, sure. And this is not meant to be, you know, punny, but the the good songs are hard to find on this album. Um, I found that there were some really solid ones, like Where Is Her Head, um, Rylan, Oblivions, um, just doing this all off the top of my head. And mm. I really loved those tracks, but I kind of, like you, kind of skip through some of the chaff on the way there. Like the first couple are good, you know, you had your soul with you quite light. Although they are very poppy. Like they sound very dancey and which is, you know, going I went from I am easy to find to alligator. And um there was kind of contrast in like sonic uh and tonal kind of choices. Yeah. There was some songs on I am easy to find which bored me to tears like Roman Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and um, not in Kansas, even though Can- not in Kansas is really sweet, like it's quite beautiful. I just got bored of it after a while. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Did did you find that? I mean, uh, this yeah, could be you know, a dialogue I'm, too. <laughs> the like, I get the feeling that they're more kind of like spoken word musical vignettes rather than like actual songs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're that may be a little snobs. unfair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I totally like, love I, that. I get that, and I I go all power to you. You be an art snob, and you like put in these arty tracks. Like the 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 thing I enjoy when it comes to like the machine that is the national. It's like the drumming, and like interesting rhythms and melodies. And when they have songs that are like just lyrically driven, it kind of bores me. He's not a bad lyricist. I actually think he's no, no, quite no. a good lyricist. But um, yeah, sometimes it's not. He's not able to pull it off on his own. And I think that's why I love Where's Her Head so much, because it's got those cool rhythms. Although they are pretty tame compared to um, some of the stuff that you find on Boxer. Like when yeah. you think of Mistaken for Strangers compared to Where's Her Head, it's really quite simple. But um, I, so as a general overview of that album, I really like it. Like I, I really think it's a good album. Um, I just kind of felt like the good songs were a bit scattered amongst them all. Yeah. Like the yeah. songwriting's more mature. The instrumentation is gorgeous. Like the choirs and the synths, the drums, the guitars. I mean, the Desna brothers are brilliant as always. I mean, I love everything that they put their hands to. Big Red Machine is my next thing that I want to look at. I know that's like a million years old. Do you know that? I don't know, actually, no. So it's uh, Justin Vernon and um, I think it's Aaron. Yes, Aaron probably. <laughs> one of the twins. One of the twins. I always forget whether one of them's more prolific. Like who was it? It was Aaron who was on Planetarium, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think he's on Big Red Machine because um, there was a um, there was an album that came out a while ago Sorry, this is like a rambling review, but you know the general idea. <laughs> um, there was an album that came out a while ago called Dark Was the Night, and it was a double disc compilation of all the 4AD artists, I think. Or it was put out by 4AD. And it's okay. got, it's got, and then they, they created this new, comp, um, you know, duo, Aaron Dessner and Justin Vernon, and called, and called the song Big Red Machine. And then they named an album or a band, Big Red Machine, and released an album. Okay. Anyway, you should. That. I haven't heard that. You should totally check out Dark Was the Night. It has Arcade Fire, My Brightest Diamond, The National, like a whole bunch of artists just doing these once-off songs. And uh, I don't know if I'm cool enough for that. Yeah, you are. It's really good. <laughs> I think um, proceeds went towards um, fighting AIDS. It was like a really cool right. double disc, and I found it. Like, there's this brilliant music store just in my suburb. Like, I live in a really boring suburb, usually. And then there's this one music store, which has the coolest collection of old secondhand CDs and vinyl, and then, like, really old DVDs and stuff. And so you can just find everything. Like, I'll go in there and find the most strange combo, like combination of different artists. So I picked up a ton of stuff. Like, there'll be Tom York there. I picked up... That's where I found this national CD, which kind of bring a brought everything back on so yeah yeah i was kind of yeah back to easy i'm easy to find i was just disappointed that <laughs> i wish there was more drums i i just wish there were more drums 
I really like his work. John Lennon. Yeah, yeah. I also, I don't know, I've, I've been a Nashville fan for maybe over a decade now, and I didn't realize that the drummer and the bass player were brothers. Oh, really? <laughs> I I mean, I guess I was always more focused on the fact that they're a pair of identical twins to really care about the rest of the band relationship to each other. But, but you didn't watch the documentary, did you? No, I haven't. It's, it's too cringy for me. I can't do it, man. It is very cringy. I watched that too. I did all of my research. Um, I watched that too. And the, the first part of the trailer is like, you know, so, you know, there are two sets of two brothers in the band, but you also have a brother, but he's not in the band. He's like, no, he's a bit of a metalhead and he thinks, you know, indie rock is pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> and so it just follows. It's a bit of a weird nonsensical movie that was kind of like, oh, it's nice. It's interesting. They're make, making a sequel apparently. <laughs> yeah, I saw this on um, um, his uh, Instagram. What's his face? Matt. Matt Berniger's Instagram. There was a picture yeah. with him and his brother um, making like more cuts on the movie. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, you know, contrary to popular opinion, I quite like Sleep Well Beast as well. I know you told me when I got it that you, it was like the most boring of their albums. Um, it has like two good songs on it. But I think the two good ones that you liked are not the two good ones that I liked. Probably not, no. Anyway, so I'm not trusting <laughs> what, your opinion. What, what, what would you, uh, how would you rate um, I'm Easy to Find? I'm Easy to Find, find yeah. Are we doing like a five star, ten, ten star sliding you, scale? You give, it a, you give a rating that your heart desires. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty meh, like mid ground on this album. So like... Whatever the middle is of our scale, like probably slightly, to, slightly to the right of it. Okay, like I did enjoy it. I'm not saying, um, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. Like I've been putting it on and and really enjoying the process because I mean I'm an albums guy through and through. I can't help that. So even if there's songs I don't enjoy, I will just listen through them, except for not in Kansas. Um, I'll just listen through because that's the way the album is supposed to be. And I get to the end and I go, I like the vibe. I just don't think it's strong enough all the way through. And you said the pacing's really weird. So let's say if it was like a, let's say a 10 scale rating because it's a bit easy to have nuance. I would say sure. a six or a six and a half. Does that make sense? It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I think it's. That's good. It's fair. Would you rate it the same? Probably. I might rate it a little bit higher than that because I think it's better than the last album, but not a ton. I I kind of like the last album. So, you know, I'm a texture snob. I kind of like yeah. the textures on Sleep Well Beast more than I did on I'm Easy to Find. Texture snob. I like, <laughs> you know, the way an instrument sounds, not just that it plays. Mm. Yeah. That's true. Anyway, that's just that's just my view. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find this album in my play like iTunes playlist, and I can't find it. Anyway, that's my review of um, the whole na- national back catalog, <laughs> 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 and they're just general vibe. Nice and succinct. So you, forty minutes of a review, go. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! So I'd I'd say there are probably maybe two to three bands that if they put out music, I will like 
drop everything and listen to no matter what. I think I know who this is going to be. That's like Radiohead, The Gorillas, and Violent Soho. Yeah. Are like those are like like if they like I I love everything they put out basically. Mm. And I'm not quite sure why it comes to that case when it comes to Violent Soho, but I adore their kind of take on grunge and kind of new punk. Yep. Um, it just kind of combines everything that I love about like Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and a bit of the Pixies and that kind of like it's so good. It's kind of like '90s rock. Yeah, it's 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 so um, nostalgic in a way. Yeah, but also it's also new, which I love. Um, yeah, and it's also so Australian. <laughs> so that they put out a music video for one of their songs. Uh, called Pick It Up Again, and they dress up as, like, door-to-door salesmen in, like, uh, one of the suburbs up in Brisbane and just kind of go selling the record around, and it's so Aussie. <laughs> like, cups I cups of tea, short uh, pants, long-sleeve shirts. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Monte Carlo's and, like, Arnott's Biscuits. Oh, yeah. So they're from a town called Mansfield, which is way up there. I have no idea what that is. Up there. It's a yeah, small town in Queensland. But anyway, I love this record to pieces. Hmm. Um, so What's it, it called? It's, kind of a th- it's called Everything is A-OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's uh, serendipitous in some ways. So they're obviously writing this album before, you know, everything that's happening in the world's going on before the bushfires and all that stuff. Hmm. But it's, it's still, like, very thematically, like... Um, in tune with what's going on, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I think it's appropriate, even though I obviously listen to like I personally listen to lyrics last out of everything when it comes to a record. But um, even the words are a lot of on point kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just there's so much energy in it, and I love that. Like it, like it kind of makes like the day hap- makes my day happier when <laughs> music kind of just kicks your butt every time you turn it on. Um, you need that in Vancouver in the winter season, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, now it's, it's spring, like one of those... but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's still a bit dreary. It's just turning spring. No, it did It did hail and snow on me yesterday, so... <laughs> it's uh, a little bit topsy-turvy at the moment. But you, know, you know, like that thing where you're like, you get, a, you get a new album, and you put it on, you listen to it, you finish it, and then like, I don't listen to that again immediately. Mm, and yep. I've done that a number of times in, in the last couple of days. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. You yeah. know, I've only seen that track. There was one track you sent me a while back, which just had like a, f- like a, just an Australian looking house with a flag and just, it just, mm. was that one of the tracks off the new album? Yeah. That's the last track on the album. Okay. I must confess, um, like I haven't given them enough time, but I'm going to obviously after this. I've been, I've been emailing uh, local radio stations in Vancouver to try and get them to play them. No, yet, no luck yet. I don't think I've been banned from from emailing these companies, but I'm gonna keep doing it. <laughs> so, apart from like really exciting, what else about Violent Soho draws you to them? I yeah, um, the way they compose a lot of their music, I think, I find really interesting because it's not like that they. Um, they do similar kind of straightforward things as you would find in a rock song, but a lot of it is approached differently. Like there's more 
um, rhythmical breakdowns. Uh, the drumming, I love the drumming. Hmm. Um, it's it's super tight and super um, like it's contained. It's exactly what it needs to be, which is perfect for this kind of thing. Um, yeah, I like at this point. This is like their fifth, I think, technically album. And at this point in their career, like they know how to play really well with each other, so they write these songs that they can pull off really well. Um, yeah, I just like I um, there's such like energy to the music. I love it. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, I I I think there's something special about Aussie rock, which has this bright tone to it that you almost can't but help smile sometimes and it doesn't take itself yeah. too seriously. Would you say that about the violent Soho? The oh, violent? 100%, yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't really yeah. I mean, that's we know that about Aussie music. People have done that in reviews before. It, it's this kind of cultural story where we don't try and you know the tall poppies. We don't want anyone getting too high and yeah. mighty about themselves and so we just are self-deprecating from the beginning and therefore we won't have to be cut down. Um, but I kind of get that vibe whenever I finally listen to something on Triple J and, um, and it's more Aussie music. Like there's a band that, um, I'm following called Spacey Jane and I went and saw them and it's like fun. It's just, and people love fun music, Mm. even if it's like intense lyrically and intense at times, people just love really fun music. Yeah, I think I missed the ball yeah. on that one. <laughs> Fun. Fun, I, yeah. yeah. Not in my vocab. And I, I think uh, the thing I really appreciate about Oh Soho Boys is they haven't, like, they've, there's been a couple of years since they put out a record and they haven't spent that time doing nothing. Like, they've been putting time and effort back into the Aussie rock music community and, like, producing albums for other people. And mm, That's um, cool starting a studio and trying to get other people going and, and that, like that's i really appreciate that are they still bowling do they, st- <laughs> do they still bowl <laughs> like lawn bowls not <laughs> not that, pimping there was an, an article came out like maybe last week about that music video it's uh it's a music video for a song called like soda and um the article talks about how they almost like all collapsed basically because all are wearing like makeup and like full clothes in like the <laughs> brisbane summer and they're like all dying <laughs> <laughs> for those that don't oh, know so i think they did a their bowling club um like they do lawn bowls sometimes or something like that and um their bowling club was like promoting their album at one point um and i think they did a video clip there or something yeah, were they the so ones good. that had their mums in their video too or is that someone else uh that's um the smith street band right sorry wrong one another rock band that's right um, so out of out of this album, yeah, yeah, I'd recommend uh, Sleep Year, mm-hmm. um, Easy, and Pity Jar are probably my favorite three. Okay, I'll get it. I'll get it today and have a listen through. I need something fun. Yeah, I'd give it a nine out of ten though. I love it. Good. What's its failings then? Sorry, that's uh, bad focus. <laughs> nine out of ten. <laughs> What's its failings? There, there, there's there's two songs in the in the middle that are kind of a little bit fillery. Yeah. Um, but also, if you cut those two songs out, then the album would be like 26 minutes long. So I kind of get that. 26 album, minute albums are sweet sometimes, though. Yeah, it's, that's pretty quick. Yeah. 
I it it we'll, we'll get to it, but it was very divergent from the record you gave me, which is like all the songs are like ten minutes long. And these ones are like three and a tiny bit of change, basically. I'll tell you more about that when we get to it. But yeah, it's um yeah, yeah I imagine the violent so violent. I keep saying the violent Soho. Um, I imagine violent Soho are a bit more succinct and down to earth, yeah. and their audiences probably don't want to kind of hear big rambling <laughs> art pieces either. Short attention span. Oh my goodness. I mean, I imagine wow. they're pub rock, but they probably also have like a, a foot in the indie scene, right? Doing stuff that's yeah. a bit more kind of not just, not that there's anything wrong with pub rock, but like that they'd be acceptable in both spheres. Well, I think a, it's it's weird to say, but a, a big influence on this album, I think in particular, is kind of uh, a lot of um, shoegaze music and slow dive, particularly. Oh, heck, why didn't you tell me before? <laughs> Like it's it's hard to place in some in some instances, but there's a, as in backgrounds of a lot of the songs where things are building, it's mm. a lot more um, kind of like f- noise space in the background, like a lot more fuzz. Mm-hmm. That's kind of kind of general, and that's not as common in their earlier stuff. Okay, yeah, I remember you sent me on a little errand one time to JB to pick up two of their <laughs> albums. So when I was living in Vancouver, Josh sent me. A, a text when I was visiting Australia saying, Hey, can you pick up two albums from JB Hi-Fi for me <laughs> by this band called the Violent Soho or Violent Soho? I'm going to do that forever. Um, and I, yeah, I remember it was Waco and something else. Was it? Yeah. Like Waco and Hungry Ghost. Are right. Realms. I, still, I still have those two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my car was uh, stolen maybe oh, a year right. and a bit ago now. And they took it and for a the only th- <laughs> The only thing I was legitimately bummed about was that they had stolen my CD collection with those two CDs in it. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Do you have them again? Well, Did you I got, buy them on CD? Yeah. They, no, they, uh, they found the car and the CDs were all in the trunk. Oh, that, yeah, sorry. That's room. right. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I have them still. <laughs> my car was broken into in Vancouver as well. Did I tell you? They took <laughs> my old iPod from like 2000. <laughs> but they left all my precious tapes, which I was very grateful for. <laughs> no. Had several hundred dollars worth of like indie crap tapes in there, and they took my iPod, which they probably couldn't even charge. <laughs> what fools! Fools. So this episode, I gave you. Oh yes. <clears throat> uh, Ghostine by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Now, this is that, the first Nick Cave album you've ever listened to, yeah? So, my Nick Cave knowledge is like Dumb and Dumber, Red Right Hand. <laughs> um, and didn't he do a really weird kind of biblical allegory album about a guy in the Australian desert that's pretty violent for a film or something? I yeah. Nick Cave is a very uh, pro- prolific gentleman, and I haven't, I don't. I don't know everything he's ever done. I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember being like a friend of mine at uni was like, oh, check out this album. I didn't actually listen to the the thing. I just found it and was like looking at the cover and went, mm, this is interesting. Um, and uh, I just, I don't think I know what he's like. I kind of thought that he would be, you know, kind of rock and roll, um, mm. which he probably is, but Ghostine definitely is not rock and roll. <laughs> so... Okay, here's my thoughts on the album. Here's my review. So, yeah, the way this podcast works, we send each other something that is not quite what we usually listen to. 
as a way of stretching our um, palette of listening. Um, and also, I think for me, I was just curious about what Josh would think of something that I sent him. And he <laughs> might be curious what I'm th- thinking about this. So I don't really know a lot of Nick Cave. I kind of thought it was more rock. So um, first of all, my mum sent me this album a while ago and I didn't listen mm. to it. So apologies to mum if you're listening. <laughs> um, my first question is, do you actually like this album, Josh? Because mm. I don't think you I, do. <laughs> I, I, um, I've listened to a couple Nick Cave albums. I have a bunch of them. Mm. I enjoy this one the most. Really? I'm so yes. surprised. Because I find the most approachable out of all of his records so far. Wow. It's so ambient. It's so um it's so not what I usually expected you would enjoy because it just feels a little bit a little bit washy, which is usually my bag. <laughs> and I yeah, I didn't think that you would actually enjoy this. I thought that you might have listened to this and thought, oh, Asher might enjoy this. I'll give it to him. Because you said this is part of a trilogy. Yeah, that's that's a common fan theory. I don't know if it's ever actually been confirmed by the band themselves. Okay. Is there a band? Are the Bad Seeds like several people? The, yeah, the Bad Seeds are an actual band. It's there's a. will try and find a Twitter photo for you, but it's this guy... He's taken a photo of the Bad Seeds and Nick Cave and says they all look like different fantasy genres of wizards. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like these guys with like beards and sunglasses and hats and that kind of stuff. <laughs> of like all middle-aged men. Yeah, they're an actual band. Nick Cave looks pretty cool himself. Long hair, receding yeah. hairline, kind of like very stern looking face. and He's a striking figure. Yeah, suits with arms that are too short. Like I feel his pain where every shirt is too short for my arms kind of thing. <laughs> Anyway, to the music. Um, so my my appreciation of this album, I listened to it full through three times. I hope that's enough to give me a general view of it. I'll listen again later on. But um, I when I started, I was like, oh, I really like this. Like the melodies are beautiful. The harmonies are fantastic. Like mm. if the band's, Bad Seeds are doing those harmonies, they're brilliant. Like um, it might be other vocalists, I don't know. So the thing that made me think was this feels like Peter Gabriel's Scratch My Back album mixed mm. with Scott Walker. <laughs> Do you know Scott Walker? I don't know who that is. <laughs> okay, Scott Walker is this really strange um, avant-garde artist and he does these like very spoken word sing-songy albums with this very like formal tone on his voice. Mm. Meanwhile, mm. underneath there's chaos and strange instrumentation. His latest album before he passed away was Bish Bosh. But the strange thing was that he was like a, a pop artist around the time of the Beatles. The, the Walker brothers were like huge. And then he broke away and did like really avant-garde stuff. Anyway, so it sounded a little bit like that. I'm like, I didn't know that you enjoyed Peter Gabriel. I know you can't stand I... Genesis. <sighs> <laughs> I hate I, I hate Phil Collins most of everything. Yeah, and Peter Gabriel is probably the best part of Genesis. I'm gonna get some yeah. hate mail for that. But <laughs> what's the album he has? Um, the covers is it Us? Is it called? Oh yeah, yeah. I have a Us. couple of his older albums. Yeah, Us good. is good. Us is a good album. But when he was a bit 
old, like now he's been doing like orchestral backing with his voice just on top and it's very loose and there's very little reverb. It's very close. And like, it just felt like that. And I didn't know you enjoyed mm. that. So if you'd enjoyed this, you might want to check out Scratch My Back by Peter Gabriel. <laughs> he covers Radiohead and then Radiohead refused to cover him. It's quite funny. Um, anyway, so I kind of, I thought the ambient sounds and stuff were really nice. The only issue I had at the beginning was like, some of the synth sounds were a bit pap. Like, as I said before, I'm a bit of a texture snob. And I was like, some of these sounds like on um, Night Raid, Night Raid, the the Night Raid sample sounds like that stupid detuned bell sample I find on Logic and go, ugh. Um, and I thought, why did you include this? Like, you could have had some beautiful, um, you know, harmony and accompaniment and you chose some of these synths, which are just really, like, boring and feel like they just come stock standard with yeah. something, some I, sort of door. I have to imagine it's on purpose, but I don't know the reason. <laughs> right, okay. It's so um, very spoken word, which kind of also added to me thinking that you wouldn't enjoy this. But, Mm. you know, I kind of like that. The first song is beautiful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm just thinking the melodies are very haunting and really lovely. Spinning song and bright horses. I think the first three songs are really lovely. And then I enjoyed Galleon Ship. Um, Cause it kind of reminded me of late Sigaros. Yeah. Um, I, I love Galen. Galen's just my favorite song on the album. Right. It, Sorry, not late Sigaros, early thousand Sigaros. It almost makes yeah. me tear up when I hear it. I think it's such a good song. Hmm. What is it about that one that you really like? So here's a question for you. What, what do mm. you think the topic of the album is? So I watched the start of that YouTube video and it said how these are the children and then their parents reply to them. Mm. Um, I really don't know. He has so many religious, like, undertones. I mean, he's always had that, hasn't he? Yeah. And I don't know, um, you know, the reality of growing into an adult. I don't know. Their questions and then the answers. I can't remember what it was. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit tricky. So you, I guess you haven't read this. And uh, maybe two, three years ago... Um, Nick Cave has about five kids and a pair of twins, and one of the twins uh, passed away in an accident. Oh, gosh. And uh, he was writing the album before this one at that time, and that album has a lot of, like, anger and angst in it. Mm. And I, th- I think this one is a lot more to do with uh, coping and... Um, it's it's not despair, but it's grief. I think is I would say the subject of this album is, and so I think Galleonship I find quite beautiful because it's to do with like passing and um and continuation in that kind of form, and I, it's mm. quite tear wrenching to me, but it's beautiful still. Hmm. I should listen to that again. Um, I should. What I want, I kind of wanted to listen to it out of context, and then give it a bit of context later on. So maybe my views will change, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I interestingly, um, I really liked snatches of the lyrics. You know, there's no shortage of fools. Mm. I I can imagine that he's quite a political person, um, 
and that he's also kind of weaving into this so many things. Um, yeah. Hmm. That's sad. Yeah. So I, yeah, Nick, Nick Cave, I find him interesting. I don't listen to him necessarily to enjoy myself in some ways. I don't know. Like, mm. uh, <laughs> I get that. It, his music is like enjoyable, but in some ways it's not. And, you know, he, you know, he kind of doesn't sing very nicely. And a lot of the songs are like, I think he has a beautiful voice. Abrasive in some manners. Yeah. I, I think it's beautiful. I really love the way he sings. So I mean, I, his falsetto is gorgeous. So I think, in, I think in this album in particular, it's more musical than it can be than a lot of the other albums that he's put out before. So, yeah, I liked, I think I liked out of the two discs. So I bought it digitally, um, but I gathered the first disc is all the shorter songs. And then the yeah. second disc is the three, the like two long songs and the spoken one. Um, I preferred the first disc. I think um, Leviathan, um, is that the first big one? No, it's the last song. Um, so Ghostine. And Hollywood, I didn't find as interesting. And you know, like I love long songs. Um, yeah, but I just didn't feel like they went anywhere very quickly, or just didn't really kind of do much for me. And the Hollywood auto tune and like Bob Dylan bends. <laughs> it was really odd, but I guess yeah, I'm just showing my ignorance about Nick Cave um, well, that's because. I was kind of taking it at face value, but I think I need to understand things in a bit of context. I mean, yeah, he's he's kind of one of those artists that has just like, uh, oh, I want to try and listen to him. Oh, wait, there's like 18 albums I can try and listen to. I don't know where to start. And his fans are kind of crazy because they've been listening to him for 40 years. And <laughs> everyone knows everything. And like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I think this would be more towards a seven or eight. Like it gets points docked for bad samples. Um, but it gains for beautiful vocals. Like there were just some points at which I was like, this is gorgeous. Um, the melodies and, and harmonies, I just felt like there could have been a much better accompaniment. Yeah. Probably more of a seven, I think, because I'm still meh about those samples. <laughs> Sorry. Well, samples are a big deal to you. Okay. No, as in like, not just samples, but like, you know, the way an instrument sound matters sounds matters as much as what you play on it i just think that that's a big deal for me my goal is to now find the crummiest sampled song i can ever find <laughs> send it to you sure go for it <laughs> okay so i sent josh um an album that was recommended to me by a mate of mine called callan phillips shout out um he sent me this album called um, Sea Glass by Grand Salvo. They're also an Aussie band, I believe. Um, and I know very little about them, except that this album apparently is a deviation from what they usually do. Hmm. And they used only um, kind of non-traditional, non-Western instruments. I don't know if you read that in the bio. I Let me know didn't. your thoughts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this album... Uh, I don't know if it's like a huge deviation from things I have listened to. Um, yeah, yeah. But I like. I chose something that you'd at least enjoy a bit of. <laughs> <laughs> um, it felt very analog to me, which I quite enjoyed. 
Mm. Uh, um, yeah. A lot of the, um, the kind of like the the motions and the the building blocks of the songs are all very, you know, like plucked strings or kind of different rhythmic instruments that kind of continued, and that felt really nice to have that kind of feel to this album. Um, mm. Yeah, I f- it it definitely has a what's the word. Um, I don't want to use the word vibe, but <laughs> I keep using that word. It has, has a definite vibe to it. Like it, it feels like, like a, a like a seaside town kind of thing. Like it kind of, um, mm. it it pervades that emotion very well. I think the first song, um, was it my head on the raised middle bit of the car? Yeah, and I thought that was uh, a clever little nod to like just driving along a coastal town in Australia somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it is very Australian. It's interesting to hear. Um, it, it's kind of like, it's, I don't know what you call it, like demi-folk. It's like the the genre of this album would be. But in that kind of arena, you hear accents a lot more easily. <laughs> and so mm, it, it yep. sa- it's, this sounds way more Australian to me than um, the other <laughs> albums we talked about. Yeah. Um, the accents are a little garish at points. Yeah, that's nice. Um, but the songs all kind of build, like, mm. like there's um, there's kind of two chunks to this to this album. I find, and the first half of each song is kind of like a little bit Nick Drake, um, a little bit a kind of modern folk, and then it kind of builds into something in the second half, and. Um, mm. I found a lot of those tr- tr- transitions to be quite, um, quite classic. Like the kind of transitions you'd hear in like an ELO or a Beatles song was like horns and kind of like mm. some, some like nice little harp bits as like things climb together. And they kind of, it was quite nice. It was quite, um, mm. quite reminiscent to hear. Yeah. Did you, um, yeah, no, there are other thoughts. Like, what what were some things maybe you didn't enjoy as much about it? <laughs> the it long was, songs. <laughs> it, it was, I found this album hard to focus on because it was so relaxing. <laughs> and the songs are so long that, like, I've, I would, like, lose focus after, like, seven minutes. And, like, I can't, I forget what I was listening to and what I was trying to paint into because I was just, you know, falling asleep because it's so comfortable. <laughs> yeah, they are, They like, you know, all the tracks are pretty much over six minutes. In the Water is ten, pretty much. Yeah. And In the Water, the middle is quite boring. The opening, I could listen to that forever. I love that the um say you love me before you know, before i go or something you remember that yeah. part yeah the harmonies are just to die for so is this a band of people or is it just one one bloke i have no idea yeah. i have not looked into it at all i think it's a band but yeah i don't know it was just given to me out of the blue and i'm like okay cool yeah i mean the sound of it is it's very rich in terms of like um, instrumentation and vocal stuff. It's very well put together. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I think I'd need to like listen to it a couple more times to maybe and be able to sleep. like tell songs apart from each other. 
I was a bit like that with Ghostine because they're yeah. all very slow and there's no drums or any change in instrumentation between any of the songs. All right, we're, we're picking very, we're picking upbeat albums next time for each other. Sure, sounds good. Things uh, that I've got de- one in mind. Things that are definite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably requires a few listens. And to be honest, I usually skip through. I know that this is contrary to what I just said, and now <laughs> I haven't actually proved that I. My favourites are All Those Stars in the Water and Field of Flowers. Flowers. I'll listen yeah. to the whole thing, but those three kind of stand out to me. I think I like Enter the Shade quite a bit too. I love that one. Okay. In the Shade, yeah. 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 It was nice. Um, I, I quite did you, what? Yeah, what did you think of the lyrics? Oh, man. I, <laughs> I'm so slow processing lyrics. <laughs> I, I would so, need, I would need to do like another listen just for lyrical content to be honest with you. <laughs> sure. Because um part of the reason I got sold on this album was um Field of Flowers. It was the lyrics to Field of Flowers. Yeah. And so when we put this in the show notes or on the blog or wherever it goes, um people should listen to um as my friend Callan described it, the gradual reveal of Field of Flowers. Yeah, I yeah, I always feel bad in the in like the hierarchy of things that I listen to. Lyrics are always at the bottom, <laughs> and I feel like such a musical heathen for saying that. Uh, it's, it's you can't kind of go against what the way that your brain processes stuff. Like <laughs> it, it's hard to relearn or like yeah, force your brain to think about. It. I mean, you're doing it right. You're actively going. Oh, okay, this is something that I forget to look out for. So I'll just keep an sure. eye out for that. It's just rhythm and melody are so much more interesting to me. <laughs> so I but care I also like ideas. I really like ideas. And so I think, I mean, yeah, it just matters to me. But that's just why. Anyway, I'd, I'd give it a, like a, about music. a solid six and a half to seven. I Yeah, yeah cool. It was good. We're so conservative with our votes today. No. Maybe later on. Oh, no, no. You gave like Soho nine. Yeah, anyway. It's just me. That's conservative. That's cool. I'm glad you. I'm glad you kind of got your money's worth out of it. Yeah, I'd, like it. I'll definitely listen to it again um, after after the show. Cool. Um, well, any other? To listen to. Oh yeah, shout outs. Um, yeah, so we are also going to add into this podcast some honorable mentions at the end, ones that necessarily we don't have formed thoughts about. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, Probably the biggest thing on my radar um, is a new Strokes album coming out in maybe a week. Mm-hmm. And they've released two songs from them. And both those songs are very different from each other, but I actually quite enjoy both of them. Um, okay. And it's been a while since I think they've released a good song, maybe like two, three albums worth, in my opinion. Mm. And so I'm quite excited for that. Strokes, yeah. I think you've sent me stuff of theirs before and I've listened to little bits. But I, I mean, they're very classic, like early 2000s garage rock. <laughs> Actually, I, I think you would like one of the new songs a lot, even though it's quite a bit different from what the Strokes usually do. I'll try and send it to you. Yeah, please do. Nice. So the Strokes. Anything else? Um, I mean, I, there's one thing, but I think I'll send it to you instead. I, mean, I might challenge you okay. to listen to it instead. Okay, cool. 
Um, I've been listening to a ton of Pogo, (laughs) 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 which you know already. But uh, um, for those who don't know who Pogo is, uh, I know this sounds like a really biased first podcast. We're very regionally Australian this episode. (laughs) I know. Usually my music tastes are mostly US, somewhere else, Um, but Pogo... Uh, I don't know where I found him. Maybe you sent me him. I don't know. Um, what he does, he's a kind of house house electronic musician from Perth, um, Western Australia, not Perth in wherever it is in the States. Um, and he chops up songs, video games, movies, any sort of media and makes songs, which is not very uh, novel. However, I think that he does them in a way that actually makes them songs mm. like other artists I've not seen do so before where I like listening to it in its own right. Um, not just that it's kind of like clever. Does that make sense? Yeah, he's a very unique approach to that style of doing things. Yeah, it's to, it's like it's very well done. Um, and I, I've kind of been through few phases like I bought one song of his a while back and then I did nothing else I saw his stuff on Bandcamp and I was like eh it's okay but then about a month and a half ago um he released a new EP and I was just on the train and started listening to it and it was fantastic it was (laughs) it might be a bit twee a bit dumb but he'd like chopped up um um Oh, My Fair Lady. And it was fantastic. It was so interesting. This Like the samples, again, that he'd chosen were really, really well thought out. And just the, and it's also just the harmonies and the way he constructs his progressions. That was really good. And so there was also a song in that called Horrorland, which was based on a 90s Goosebumps video game, which was also great. Um, he's just a very clever dude. Um, who's making some great music. And then he released another little EP. Um, and did you, Josh, did you watch that Red Rum one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, How creepy. The Shining one. <laughs> yeah, it's The Shining. So um, for those who aren't really cool with, I mean, I'm not a big horror movie buff either. Um, but if you don't like it, maybe don't watch the video. But um, it's it's a cut of The Shining and it's just, it's kind of crazy the stuff he uses. Like pulling the pins out of the radio is his main percussion source. Um, and then the axe in the door is the like build snare. I'm just like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very, did you like at the end, it kind of turns really, it's like gated synth start kind of stuff. Did you listen all the way through? Yeah, it was very, I mean, it's it's quite um, of the 80s when The Shining came out too. It's very particular. Yeah, well. He he takes the some of the stuff from the score as well and puts those yeah. in, which I thought was very clever in the piano parts. So, yeah, I mean, like because I've been working from home at the moment, um, <laughs> when I'm marking work, I'm listening to Pogo because um, it's instrumental and kind of has movement and keeps me awake and stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of the main thing I've been listening to in addition to our stuff. Mm. So, yeah. Yep, so we'll uh, come back with an episode maybe in a month or so um, when we've uh, challenged each other again, and that's what we've been listening to. Uh, See you, buddy. See you around, man. Bye.